Welcome to Family Life Today, brought to you with the compliments of this station and power to change. We're always encouraged to receive your feedback and comments on the program, but I'll tell you how you can do that at the conclusion. But now, here are your Family Life Today presenters, Dave and Ann Wilson. So when you walk through your sister's death and the grief after that, I mean, I don't, I'm not even sure I know the answer to this. What would you say was the hardest part of that journey? Um, I think it was living life without her on earth. It's like you have dreams and visions of your future, even with a sister or someone that passes away. I mean, she was your best friend. Best friend. Mm-hmm. And um, for her not to be there, to not talk to her, to hear her voice, crushed me. And mm-hmm. I think part of it, too, was because she died suffering of cancer, mm-hmm. of trying to get that out of my head and back to the good things and not the horrific things. So those were probably some of my hardest things. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think we all know this. Walking through uh, grief, trauma, pain, mm. sorrow, I could keep going. That's the hardest thing to navigate in life. And especially as a Christian, when you have no answers of why, I don't even get it. Yeah, and you have a question in your head, can I go on? Yeah. And we have a book sitting on our table right here called We Go On. Yeah. And we've got the author, John. Okay, I'm going to try. Come on, try. I'm guessing this name has been uh, mispronounced at times. It's been butchered in ways you can't imagine. <laughs> Tell me how I but, do all here. All right, no, no, look. Look at it. I'm looking right at it. Of you. All right, we'll take two letters at a time. Dude, I've got it. It's John. I'm going to check one. That's it. John, welcome to Family Life Today. Uh, thank you, man. Glad to be here. I mean, we just had a great lunch with you. It's been an amazing journey. Yeah. You're a pastor in Atlanta. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about what you do. Yeah, so it's not that I do a bunch of things. I do the same two things in a bunch of different places. Okay, right? what's that mean? So I love to tell the greatest story ever told, which is the gospel, and show how that intersects with lesser stories But in my heart, I love to ideate, to create ideas and possibilities, and then to galvanize teams to be able to do that work. So there's an idea for a church plan in the West End. And I say, listen, I don't know all of what it's going to take, but I know who it's going to take. Let me galvanize that group to come in and to do that. And then that group goes and church planning and coffee and this and it's like all right i come in and i do that i'm much more of a team builder than i am a team leader so yeah well i can tell you this you're an inspirer i'm fired up right now well well, it's so interesting too because as you share that i'm thinking yes we all want to follow you you're gifted and yet you wrote this book called we go on and the subtitle is finding purpose in all of life's sorrows and joys yeah Don't you hear him and think, this guy is all about joy, strategy, he's a creator, and yet you've walked through some really hard things, too. Yeah, and I think what you said is right, but I think the conjunction that you used, right, this guy is all about joy, and yet you've had to walk through. I think we tend to live as if those two things Mm. don't go together, but I think that they do, right? And so that's why, like, baked into even the way that I put the book. It is a book that's all about grief, but everybody that picks up the book is like, yo, but it's so beautiful on the inside, and it's jarring because we don't think about grief and beauty. And I think the way that we really do get to a lasting and a full joy 
is not walking around grief, but it's a no, 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 no. When you walk through grief, you realize that you're no longer blinded to the shallow Mm -hmm. substitutes that life provides, that you really see life for what it is and you can really lean in and enjoy some of the subtle sweetnesses that God provides. And so I found that being able to walk through grief is actually the pathway to that deep joy. And that's why I wrote the book. I didn't want people to be as afraid of it. Yeah, you're right, because we try to avoid it. And you don't see. Oh, I I run around it, if at all possible. (laughs) I see it. But as I open your book, I mean, you start with you're in grief. You're walking. I didn't even know if you were feeling any joy at that point. Right. Yeah, take us there. Yeah. So the book starts off in 2016, Mm. and it was the spring of 2016. I just got through doing chapel for the Texas A&M men's basketball team and I drive back to a mall in Atlanta to return some shoes man and I'm waiting on a parking spot and none come up and so I'm waiting 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 one finally comes up and a car of like three girls zooms past me and they head right into the spot and I call out I'm like hey I've been waiting on that spot oh you said that to him yeah hey And they uh, said, no, 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 we're just going to move in here and turn around. And so I'm like, all right. I start to pull up, and they're sneaking out of the back of the car to go into the school. No way. (laughs) I rolled down my window. All right. I was surprised by the fluency at which the cuss words flew out of my mouth. Hmm. And as soon as I did it, I stepped back, and it's like, what happened, right? Hmm. It's 2016. I planted a church in 2015. I'm a pastor. This is Saturday. I'm going to preach the next day. And here I am for the first time in 15 years cussing people out for a parking spot. Mm. As soon as I do it, I call my wife on the phone. I call Tripp. I call Richard. And I tell him and I just say, I'm not okay. Right. In April of 2015, six weeks before we started that church, my brother passed. Suddenly, 32 years old, the best shape of his life, five-year-old, three-year-old, one-year-old pastor. Sam never said a cuss word. He was just that guy, and he passed. And in trying to move past grief to just do God's work, I avoided dealing with it like the plague. Mm -hmm. And I found out that yeah, you really can't outrun grief any more than a dog can outrun its own tail, right? Like, go as far as you want to, and it's still there, and it caught up to me. What happened to him? How did he pass? So with Sam, it was nothing. He did a premarital counseling appointment for people that weren't even a part of his church. That was the guy that he was. Hmm. Leaves out of the Starbucks, sits in his car opens up his Bible to Acts to just read briefly to prepare for what he's going to teach this next week. And he goes to sleep and he doesn't wake up. What? So, yeah, the autopsy is inconclusive and all of that. This is what I mean. Like, no way of losing somebody feels like the right way. Yeah, Yeah. It's puzzling and frustrating and heartbreaking and... I didn't take time to process it. I just felt like maybe if I move on and just try to work, right, maybe if I go uh, around this fog of grief that I'll 
get to the destinations that I want to go to. So is the parking lot moment a defining, like, Pivotal. okay, we've got something here we got to address. And what did you call the people that were most important to you in your life? Yeah. And you said, I basically am not doing well. I said, I'm not okay. And they had walked with me. So they, they were like, knew. we knew. So they had seen this before you could see it, but you, you finally saw yeah. it. And that was January of that year. By March, my church granted me a sabbatical. Mm-hmm. They're like, hey, John, for the next month, you're at home. No responsibilities, no nothing. And so it was at that point that I picked up Ecclesiastes for the first time in years. And I was already feeling the sense of meaninglessness. And I felt like that because I lost it all. Mm. And here I pick up the words of this book and it starts off and the first words are verse. meaningless, yeah. meaningless. But what was jarring, it was that, wait, wait, wait. But the guy who wrote this book, he had it all. Mm. So wait a minute. If I feel this way because I lost it all and he finds himself at the same destination, but he has it all, maybe the circumstances that I'm in, maybe that's not my biggest problem. Maybe if there's a way that both of us, I've lost it all, he has it all. If both of us can arrive at this place where we feel like it's worthless, then maybe there is a way that I can arrive at joy, even if my circumstances never change. John, take us back to that day that you opened Ecclesiastes. And if you had to describe yourself, here's who I am right now. Give us a picture of who you are and what you were feeling in those days. Hollow. Hmm. Nothing on the inside, all of who I had known myself to be, right? It didn't just feel like it leaked out. It felt like it gushed out. I felt like a pretender, right? I felt like a a stage prop, a paper mache rock that looked solid on the outside, but it was light. I felt just a deep sense of grief, not just at the fact that my brother was gone, but My grief made me feel like a liar, that I'd spent my whole life talking to people about the goodness of God and who he was. And I felt this grief that maybe I lied to him. Maybe I told people that something worked that didn't actually work because it's not working right now. And Mm. I cringed at the fact that I ever tried to convince somebody to believe in the goodness of God in the hardest times, and I feel like even though I was hollow, I felt like I was honest. Mm-hmm. So it's like I was an empty cup, and before picking up Ecclesiastes, I was an empty cup that was face down where I was empty, but there was no way that I could be filled up. And then I think picking up Ecclesiastes said, no, 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 I'm still an empty cup. But I'm going to turn this face up and I'm going to see if the Lord has anything to pour inside. Hmm. I mean, when I hear you say that, I may be wrong, but I think a lot of listeners right now, if they were honest, would go, that's me. They may be doing all the right things. Their family looks good. Their marriage. But if they were really honest, again, I can't speak for somebody, but I'm just thinking, I've felt that. And it's like you're living a lie, but you never really go there. So you just keep living. Right. But you're hollow. You're empty. You're soulless. Yeah. Well, especially that cup upside down. That's such a great visual. Yeah. 
Because I remember feeling like that, too, questioning, God, are you good? Yeah. I've been telling people for years that you're good, and now I'm wondering, are you good? Yeah. Like, I don't get it. Why would you allow these four kids to be raised without their mom? Like, yeah. that just makes no sense. And so I'm thinking, too, a lot of people have the cup upside down. Yeah. How did you turn it right side up? So I didn't, and I think very intentional is the plural pronoun on the front of the book. We go on. Mm -hmm. Um, The book is not a testimony of what I did to overcome my grief. At every point where there's some radical or drastic change in the book, it comes as a result of an interaction with somebody else. Mm -hmm. I feel like I was blessed and it was a gift of God for God to surround me with people who, despite my strongest attempts to leave my cup face down, they slowly just sat with me and pressured me and turned the cup up. And even when it was a, a little full, they said, no, look, there's something there. And so for me, it's less a testimony of what I did in terms of I did this, now you do this. It's, no, no, look at what God has done. And the good news is God doesn't have any favorite children, right? (laughs) So if God did it for me, then he can do it for you. And I think sometimes people just need to hear an alternative story to know something is possible. What were some of the things your friends said to you or your wife? Yeah. So one of the things that my wife brought up back then, Most times when you lose somebody that you love, it makes you want to draw closer to the rest of your loved ones. So it was my mom and my dad. I had four brothers and sisters. Sam passed, and Sam was the closest one that I had. Most times when you lose somebody, you want to draw close. For me, the opposite took place. I didn't want to draw close. I pushed everyone away, not intentionally, but instinctively, because what went on in my head was this. If it hurt this badly for me to lose Sam, mm. I don't want to increase the future pain that's going to come by getting close to them and then knowing that one day I, I would have to say goodbye. And so I was trying to protect myself from future grief. Put a shell around yourself. But I realized that I wasn't protecting myself from future pain. I was robbing myself of present joy. Mm. And my wife spotted it out quick, and she talked to me, and she told me, and she was like, John, you don't have to talk to me, but you need to talk to somebody. And I kept on saying, no, I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine. Good. I'm fine. Did Richard see it too? Everybody saw yeah, it, yeah. right? You've got something on your face <laughs> yeah. and no mirror, right? Yeah. So it's like everybody sees it, and it's clear and apparent, but you don't, and I didn't. And it took me breaking down. And then I'm like, maybe they do see it. And then from that point on, I think I've just tried to like think of like driving a car with no side view mirrors or rear view mirrors. Mm. I mean, you can make your way, but there's just so many blind spots. You're going to wreck your life or somebody else's. You need those other Mm. vantage points. And that's what. You know, a good spouse, that's that's what good friends are. They show you those blind spots. They call those things out. Now, what would you say to uh, 
let's say there's a husband right now who's literally going, John is me. Yeah. When the cup was upside down and it was hollow, I'm there. Yeah. Could yeah. be a husband or wife. Yeah. You've walked through it. Yeah. Talk to that guy. What would you say? Yeah. What's he, what's he do? I would say you have to let go of the notion that you know yourself hmm. better than your spouse knows you. Hmm. We have never physically unassisted seen the backs of our own heads right like we are not built or created to have a 360 view of our natural selves hmm. what would make us think that we were built to have a 360 view of our souls hmm. right but being in such close proximity with a spouse or a friend you'd have to sit back and trust they've got a better vantage point of me right I'm existing within my grief. They see me swimming in my grief. There's an ancient Chinese proverb that says, uh, if you want to know what water is, don't ask a fish because they just live in it. Mm -hmm. If you want to know how grief is affecting somebody, don't ask somebody that's swimming in it. Mm -hmm. You've got to ask somebody on the outside that can observe them. And I'd say the main mm -hmm. thing is to trust them. That's what... Marriage is. It's a I've already entrusted my life and my soul to both God and you. And now I'm at a point where I desperately need for you to speak back in. Yeah. So I think it's important to say even to that guy or wife yeah. or woman yeah. that's listening that, that feels that when you made the call mm. to say, I need help. Yeah. That's a humble Right. Step. And hard. A lot of times we don't make that call because of pride. Ah, that's good. You know, it's like, yeah. I got this, and I may even feel this for a minute, but I'll get right. through it. And I think it's just pride. We're right. afraid to reveal weakness. Like, I'm in trouble, I think. Right. I'm not even sure I am, but man, the way I just responded, am I in trouble? And they're going, yeah, you're in trouble, right. dude. We've seen that. It's an invitation to say, I need help. Right. That's where I think we're afraid. Yeah. We are too arrogant to go there. And I know, I know guys, I right. can't speak for the wives, but I know husbands and dads who are like, I got this. Yeah. And I just want to say to that guy, you got a friend, call him. Yeah. If you're struggling and you're connecting with what we're saying here, even yeah. John's saying he felt that. Cause when you said that, I'm like, I'm there. Right. <laughs> right now. Yeah. You know, there's times in my life like, oh man, I felt that. Right. And it's hard to admit yeah. uh, to God and to a brother, and we need to, and yeah. that's where it starts. And also, if you're the friend listening that thinks, hmm. I can see my spouse or another person I'm close to, yeah. that are they're living that, right. to gently say something like, hey, yeah. I'm here for you. I right. see you're struggling, mm. and I want to help you. Right. Mm. So will you just end with praying for the, that person? Yeah. Father. We are grateful that you are not a God that sent a message from the skies, but you embodied, Lord, your heart for us. Jesus, Lord, is a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Would you remind us that as we feel these feelings, we aren't the only ones, we're not the first ones, and we're not the ones that feel it with the greatest depth, Lord. We pray for our brothers and sisters right now that may feel like an empty cup turned upside down. Father, I pray that you would give them the grace and the strength not to try harder to turn themselves up, but maybe just to cry harder and ask 
for help, Lord. Give them the grace just to cry aloud, to ask you and somebody that they're close to for help. And I pray that their cry would be met with grace and compassion. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Dave and Ann Wilson and their team for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America, the issues facing families like forgiveness, communication and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as power to change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. Do you have more questions on how to develop healthy marriages, how to be a better parent, how to make romance and sex work well, or how to grow spiritually. Check out some articles that will help challenge you to move forward well at our website. Go to families.powertochange.org.au for more information. Until tomorrow at the same time, God's richest blessings on your family.